Well, it's great to be back, amen, at Woodland Baptist. Thank you all so much for the op- opportunity and privilege to come back, amen. It's always good to be able to go, but I tell you, it's a real blessing to be able to come back, amen. Some places I preach, I don't get to go back, amen. Well, it's a blessing to be back. Thank you all so much, amen. Joy the good singing tonight, the choir, the teens singing, the good choir singing, amen, good specials. Thank you all for that. I got a pleasant surprise tonight. My son and his wife was up here yesterday in the area preaching, amen, and he's a preacher out of our church. He's my son, but he's a preacher out of our church. And so I thought they were going, I thought they were going home today and turned around, and here comes my son and his wife walking in, amen. So I don't know exactly what that means. Y'all, got, y'all done got a motel? Amen. Thank God for that, amen. <laughs> amen. Praise the Lord. Well, that's a real blessing, amen. Good to see them, amen. Then always good to be back. Always good to see your pastor. I enjoy being around him. I tell you, he's an excited fellow, I am telling you. And I appreciate the goodness of the Lord letting me meet him. We met, I think the first time we met was over in, uh, uh, over in uh, where, where was that preacher? Over around Myrtle Beach, amen. We wasn't on the beach now, but we didn't meet on the beach, amen. But we met over there preaching together, amen, and... Uh, he preached. I'll never forget this. I probably told this the last time I was here. Y'all got to remember I had a heart attack, so I can't remember nothing. Amen. <laughs> I hope I'm still saved. Amen. <laughs> but I remember he got up to preach that night. For some reason, I was second. And he read my text that I was going to preach on. I said, Lord, have mercy. We, I, I hate this fellow. Amen. <laughs> when he got through, I fell in love with him. Amen. Well, what a blessing that was. Amen. Thank you all so much. Amen. Thank you for the nice room. Y'all have always treated us so good. We walk in tonight and everybody made us feel so welcome. Thank you for that. Amen. I was preaching yesterday in my church. Amen. And, uh, uh, well, last night, yesterday, yesterday too, but last night, and I was uh, dealing with some issues. And uh, I, I, I read this somewhere. It said, the best way to get back on your feet is to miss a few car payments. We've got several like that in our church, amen, amen. I like this, you may, not, you may not agree with this, but families are like fudge, mostly sweet, but we've got a few nuts, amen. I think that's talking about the Willis family, amen, praise the Lord. And then I read where a preacher had preached one time on Sunday morning, he preached on uh, giving thanks, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, and he come back that night to the church, and uh, one of his uh, faithful members walked up to him and said, Preacher, he said, I am telling you, you preached that message this morning. He said, I have an awful sore throat. He said, I, I, it was all I could do to get here this morning, and then back tonight, my throat is killing me. And he said, you preached on giving thanks. What in the world could I give thanks for in having a sore throat? He said, thank God you're not a giraffe. <laughs> Somebody help me right there, Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. I want you to turn tonight to I want you to turn tonight to probably one of the most common scriptures, and this makes me nervous to preach on this is so common. But I want you to turn to John fourteen. Amen. This is not a funeral, amen. But John fourteen, amen. I'm sure Brother Sis has probably heard me preach this. Everywhere I go and he comes, seems like I'm always preaching something he's heard, amen. But he did sing the prodigal son, and I've heard him sing that before, amen. Praise the Lord. But anyway, John 14 tonight, if you would. And I know, as I said, it's a very familiar text. And I'm, if you're physically able, if not, you remain seated. But if you're physically able, I want you to stand, John 14. And that we'll read the first six verses. All of us probably know it by heart. Amen. I, I, this is what the Lord put on my heart, really, for tonight. 
Probably the introduction of that will explain that. Amen. But in John chapter number 14, let's look there in verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Let's bow and pray, and then we'll ask you to be seated after that. Father, thank you for letting us be here tonight. Thank you for your goodness, and as the pastor said, safe travel. Lord, you give us a good trip up here. Thank you for that. Thank you for this church, God. And uh, Lord, so many have come by tonight and said they've prayed for me, and I couldn't thank you enough for that, Lord. I thank you for the prayers of God's people. No doubt that's why I'm here, and I praise you for that tonight. I pray now you'd help me, Lord. Touch me physically and mentally and spiritually in every way. And God, I pray you could use me tonight for your glory and help somebody. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You may be seated. I'm always overwhelmed when I come to this church, amen. I, I probably said this, I know I have. Y'all's, y'all's facilities are bigger than our town. So you can understand how I feel, amen. But amen, I'm always overwhelmed, your pastor, let me come preach, amen. Very familiar, very familiar scripture, amen. I want to take that thought right there, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. There is a lot of heart trouble today. I'm one of, uh, I'm one of the victims of that, amen. I've had four heart attacks, amen. The first heart attack I had, I had right in the middle of a, a first night of revival in a man's pulpit. Please don't let that bother you, amen. But uh, first night of revival, I was in Newport, Tennessee, and I got up to preach. The place was packed and jammed. There was excitement in the air. And I got up to preach, and I never had a symptom of a heart attack, had nothing to warn me of it. And I got up to preach that night. About 10 minutes into my message, something hit me in the chest. But I figured kind of the way my style of preaching, I said, well, I pulled a muscle, amen, and I kept on trying to preach, and I just got weaker and weaker, and finally I told the pastor, I said, Pastor, I think I've hurt my chest, so I I don't know how I'm going to continue on. And I said, I think I pulled a muscle, and a lady who was a nurse in the church came up and checked me, and uh, she said, no, he hasn't pulled a muscle. We've got to get him to the emergency room. And uh, I said, oh, my goodness, you've got to be kidding. And uh, so they got me over to the emergency room, rolled the stretcher down the aisles of the church. It was highly embarrassing, amen. <laughs> rolled me out, took me to the Newport emergency room, and uh, the, the doctor come in and he said, Mr. Willis, I hate to tell you this, but you are having a massive heart attack right now. I said, you have got to be kidding. My wife's not even with me, amen. And uh, he said, well, we can't handle that here. We'll have to fly you over to wherever you need to go, either Knoxville or Johnsonville, Tennessee. Which one would you rather go to? I said, sir, I'm not from this part of the country. I would not know where to go. My wife is coming later. He said, well, we can't wait on her, amen. And uh, I said, I thought of an old mountain preacher that I used to preach with. Uh, he preached for us, and uh, I said, uh, uh, I, will, I will go to over there to Johnson City because I knew he was in that area. And uh, he was an old mountain preacher that prayed, loved God. 
And uh, when, I, when they flew me out of there and landed in Johnson City, there he was on the, on the helicopter pad there waiting for me or by the helicopter, waiting for me. He got me, they got me in there. He prayed me through, prayed me through the heart attack, prayed me out, amen. And I will never forget what that man of God did for me as well as others, amen. So there is a lot of heart issues. After I had my heart surgery, uh, they said I had to stay in Johnson, Johnsonville for a couple of weeks so the doctor could check me. And uh, probably maybe a couple of mornings later after I got at the hospital and got in a motel room, I didn't plan to tell all this, amen, but uh, my wife was reading morning devotions. And uh, we, she just picked out a psalm she was reading, and she read Psalm 57, verse 7. Well, she read the whole psalm, and she read Psalm 57, verse 7. And when she got to Psalm 57, verse 7, she said, My heart is fixed. I said, Oh, my Lord. Don't read that no more, amen. I about had another heart attack, amen. But I'm glad God can help you with your physical heart, amen. But more than that, God can help you with your spiritual heart, amen. I'm glad God is in the heart surgery business, amen. Salvation does not deliver us from trouble. He said, Let not your heart be troubled. And that is throughout the Bible, amen. Job had trouble, death in his family. Elijah had trouble of depression. John the Baptist had trouble with doubt. Uh, every church has trouble. I was, I was listening to the pastor tonight and mentioning things. People are sick. People are, have even lost loved ones evidently recently in the church. And so trouble is everywhere. But here's what the text says tonight. Don't let your heart be troubled. Thank God for that, amen. And I, I am preaching this tonight because... I'm sure y'all being a big church as you are, uh, just trouble after trouble, sickness and sadness and, and sorrow and death and, and all kind of things going on in the church such as this. But here recently, I've been to numbers and numbers of funerals. I, I, I got to call a brother, sisters here tonight and out of their church, Brother Keith Balls, and you, you'd probably know that story, that his eight-year-old son went to the mailbox and got hit by a car and was taken out in eternity. What a sad story. Uh, a brother, Vaughn, who I uh, plan to go see tomorrow on the way back home, uh, his two grandchildren, uh, they got in a wreck, 10 years old and 13 years old, and they were taken out to eternity. I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know, that I, I, I believe I'm telling the truth. I don't know of a day that I've ever lived that I've heard of so much trouble. Just preacher after preacher in the last month has died and went to heaven. Just seem like trouble everywhere. There's trouble everywhere. There's sickness. There's sadness. My, my, my nephew, my brother's boy, whom I dearly love, who was uh, coming, uh, driving about 65 miles from time to time to visit our church, very prosperous businessman, uh, nobody knew uh, this would happen. Took a gun and took his own life. I had to preach his funeral. I am telling you, just, seemed like, uh, just a few weeks later, I had to preach my cousin's funeral. And just seemed like it's been funeral and sadness and, and camps and just all kind of trouble. But thank God we're going to a place there will be no more trouble. Hallelujah for that. Amen. When I look at this chapter, I, I, I ask myself, why did he make that statement, let not your heart be troubled? He's talking to the disciples. Let not your heart be troubled. Look back in verse 2 of chapter 13. And the supper being ended, and the devil having now put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. I'll tell, tell you how we got to chapter 14, verse number 1. 
Hey, the devil was on the scene. Hey, the devil come even amongst the disciples of the Lord. And he said after that encounter, hey, the devil's coming, but don't let your heart be troubled. And I'm telling you, if you're serving God, you're going to encounter the devil. He is a real being, amen. I think we've got to the place we think he's just some imaginary person, but the devil is real, and he is attacking the people of God. Amen. Then look at verse number 21. Verse number 21, when Jesus had said this, when Jesus had thus said, he was troubled. Listen to this now. He said, let not your heart be troubled. When Jesus had said this, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. In that room also was a lot of discouragement. Amen. I mean, hey, the, even, the, even the Bible said in that room that some of the very closest disciples to the Lord, hey, uh, presented discouragement in the room. The devils was attacking them. Look in verse number 33. Verse 33, and I'll get to the message. Little children, let a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, you cannot come. So now I, so now I say unto you. Notice what he says here. I'm going to be leaving you. There's going to be a departure. Can you imagine the disciples followed the Lord all these number of years? And now he says, I'm going to be leaving you. Just in a matter of a few days, I'll be leaving you. What sadness was in that room. Hey, the Lord said, I'm departing. Look at verse 38. And Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily I say unto you, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Hey, in that room was also denial. Peter was going to deny the Lord. I'm talking about the disciple that said, I will never, never leave you. I will never forsake you. And yet the Lord said, yes, you will, Peter. I'm just simply saying a lot of discouragement in that room. And ultimately, the whole chapter 13, he's telling them about his death. I'm going to have to die, brethren. And so a lot of discouragement in that room. But when you get to chapter number 14, here's what the Lord said. Don't let your heart be troubled. Thank God, what a good word. They were troubled. There's no doubt in my mind. They were troubled. But I say this, if you major on your troubles, you'll be troubled too. Now, we have to face it, amen. But I'm going to tell you what, we have to get our focus, amen, uh, sometimes uh, above our troubles if we're going to make it. Trouble will bring you down. If you, don't, if you focus on your trouble, it will bring you down, amen. But hey, he said, don't let your heart be troubled. Let me give you just a few quick, simple points about that tonight with the Lord's help. I want to try to maybe help you and lift your burden if you've got some trouble tonight, amen. I title this Troubles, Troubles, but not troubled. Troubles, but not troubled. Now, all of us has got them. And if you don't have any tonight, you will. Preacher, that's encouraging. But it is a fact. If you live for God, you're going to have some troubles. Amen. But I want, to, I want to just remind you simply what this chapter says, or these text says tonight. First of all, how do I have troubles but not be troubled? Thank God there's a place. What are you talking about? He said, I am going to prepare a place. Amen. Could I, could I remind you it's a real place? He said, I'm going to prepare you a place. In my Father's house are many mansions. I am going to prepare you a place. That's not a figment of my imagination. I believe the Lord is preparing a place for us. Amen. Out there somewhere beyond the stars. Amen. 
Genesis 1.16, I heard, a, I read, I heard, a, the author said something about in Genesis 1.16, he made the stars also. Five words. He talks about all those stars out there. Millions and billions of stars. And here's what the Bible says about that. He made the stars also. He spent 50 chapters on the tabernacle and five words on the stars. Somebody help me, amen. Hey, out there beyond the stars, the sun is 93 million miles away. I learned that in Cottageville High School. Amen. Hey, listen to this. There's a star. They tell me there's a star. I mean, this is just a touch, all right? There's a star called Antares. It's a 60, you can put 64 million suns in. And God said what? He's going out there beyond the stars to prepare us a place. Beyond the solar system, beyond the galaxies, amen. They say the Milky Way galaxy is a peanut compared to the next galaxy. Amen. The next galaxy is 200 million light years away. 200 million light years. Can you count that high? Amen. Beyond the quasars. I looked that word up. Quasars is a German word. It means we don't know. That's what I read, amen. Out there beyond the quasars, hey, in the third heaven, God is preparing a place, amen, where the abode of God is, amen. I'm a southerner, but he says it's in the north. Amen. Hey, one day I'll be a Yankee. Somebody help me. Amen. What are you trying to say, preacher? I'm telling you God's going to prepare us a place. You know the furthest known celestial body, according to what I read, is 1,400 billion light years away, and a light year is 6 trillion miles. They didn't teach me that in high school. 1,400 billion light years away, and a light year is 6 trillion miles. Do you know I read in John 20 that Jesus told um, uh, Mary, said, Don't touch me, I have not yet ascended to my Father. And hey, he had to go to the Father and put the blood on the mercy seat, and the Bible said he got back for the evening service. Hey, out there beyond, hey, out there beyond the quasars, out there 1,400 billion miles beyond that, he put the blood on the mercy seat and got back for the night service. How far do you live? Is anybody listening? Amen and amen. We got people drive 50 miles to our church one way. They drive 50 miles in the morning, go home, drive 50 miles at night. Some of them even stay all day. Hey, but I'm telling you what, they get back for the night service. Is anybody listening? How great of God we have. That's what I'm here to say tonight. Amen. Hey, you got some troubles? We got a great God. He's preparing us a real place. Amen and amen. Hey, it's a real place. It's a royal place. He called it the Father's house. Amen and amen. I'm going to prepare you a place. He's a carpenter. He's built worlds. He's built nations. He's building a church. Heaven is referred to as a country in Hebrews 11. That talks about its vastness. Heaven is talked about as being a city. That talks about its population. 15 billion, 1,500 miles square. 1,500 miles square. He is preparing, and that's just the city. Amen. Hey, heaven's called a kingdom. First Peter, uh, uh, chapter, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 11, that talks about the order of it. Everything will be in order. Amen. Hey, but notice what he said. He's calling it a house. I'm glad it's a city. I'm glad it's a country. Amen. But I'm telling you what. He said in my father's house. That's a little more personal. Amen. You go to the city, you can't rest. You go to the house, you can relax. 
Oh, you're tired tonight? God's, God's preparing a place where we can rest. Amen. Hey, we can relax. Hey, he says it's the Father's house. That's where the relatives are. Amen. I, hey, he said, hey, my father, my mother, my father's over there. My mother's over there. I got a brother over there. I've got loved ones over there. They're in the Father's house. Amen. Thank God that's personal, amen. That's where the family is. Hey, if you're going to heaven to the Father's house, you've got to have a second birth. Because your first birth, you were born, you had your first birth, he said the devil's your father. But the second birth, I have a heavenly father. Thank God I've been born again, amen. Only way to get to the Father's house is you've got to be in the family, amen. You've got to have a birth, amen. Praise God. Amen. Somebody help me. Hey, the only place Jesus used that term was when he cleansed the temple. Only place other than this, he called it the Father's house. He said, you make the Father's house a den of thieves. Amen. He don't like for his house to be dirty. And I tell you what Jesus did. I know he's a loving Jesus. I know he loves souls. I tell you what, he got him a whip. He run him out the house. Somebody help me. I was thinking about that one time, brother, sis, amen. Jesus went down there, and they were buying and trading and selling. And Jesus said, hey, the house of God is supposed to be a house of prayer. And you made it a den of thieves. And so he made a whip. Now, thank God he, oh, how would you like to have him for a pastor? And he went down there and saw it. But I thought about that. Here's what it says in John 2. It says he made a whip. He didn't have a whip. It said he made a whip. And that related to me. I'm a pastor of a church. And sometimes in the church you see things going on that ain't right. Well, y'all don't, but I do. Y'all church don't have that, but I have, my church has it. And sometimes I see things going on in the house of God. And I, I, I think, well, Lord, I don't want to deal with that. And it, no, pastor that, no pastor that's right with God wants to deal and wants to be harsh to people. He wants to love people. He wants to straighten people out so they can have a good life. It's not a mean spirit. Y'all help me now. And the Bible said he saw it and he went and made a whip. So here's what I got out of that. He didn't just charge right in there like a bull in the china shop and start running them out. He said, I'm making this whip. I'm going to hope they get that straight before I have to use it. Now, get, get my point. I sometimes have whipped up a message. And I didn't want to. I know they think I did. But I didn't want to do that. And head pastor, you, you'll say amen to this. And sometimes while whipping up a message, I'm saying, Lord, help them to straighten that out before I have to. And I'm telling you, preacher, if you charge in there like a bull in a china shop, hey, sometimes you'll make it worse. And so I'm thinking the Lord is praying, Lord, help them to get this straight. And I have seen this in my ministry. While I'm praying, God straightens it out, and I don't have to. Amen. Amen. But I've also seen it when it didn't. And you have to go in there and correct it. Amen and amen. That's my best point. You said, preacher, if that's the best point, we're going home. Hang around, hang around. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to tell you, hey, he said in the Father, only two times I know it's used in the, in the New Testament about, Jesus, about the Father's house. Thank God something about the Father's house. Amen. He did, notice what he says here. He said, in my Father's house, 
In my father's mansion, in my father's mansion, in my father's house are many mansions. On our 50th wedding anniversary, uh, our church got together and sent me and my wife to Washington, D.C. and reserved rooms in the Trump Hotel. Now, you talk about country come to town. I have to tell you, we, I mean, we pulled up there. I, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about Brother and Sister Willis. We walked in the Trump Hotel. And, brother, they waited on us like we were kings and queens. And they took us up. I mean, they don't, they don't just give you keys, send you up to the room. They, they take you up to your room. And we got this butler, he's, he's all dyked out, amen. He takes us up to the room. He's got that thing flew over his shoulder, amen. Man, I am talking, we in high cotton now. And we walked, we walked into that, that, that hotel, went to that room, amen. And I'm telling you, we stepped in there. You talk about gorgeous. And, and I, I went and looked in the restroom, and the, the spigots and the shower head, all of that was gold. I said, Mama Louie, and I went to heaven. And the butler, he comes out, he said, that, I'm telling you the truth now. And the butler, he comes out, and he tells us now, this is, uh, this is some things that we have in the room. And he said, here's the water. Now, he said, everything on this side, you have to pay for. That didn't come with the room. On this side, that come with the room. And so uh, he, I, wait, I couldn't wait till he left, amen. And so he left, and I told my wife, I said, whatever you do, don't get it off that side. I mean, a bottle of water is $10. Somebody help me. We'll take the free stuff. But I'm telling you, preacher, there was gold everywhere. And, but you know what I found out? It was gold-plated. But I'm going to a place where the streets are pure gold. Amen. I didn't want to leave. I had to leave there and go back to St. Stephen. Has anybody ever been to St. Stephen? I'll have to tell you because GPS can't get you there. <laughs> My point is simply this. Thank God we are going to a place, a real place. You got trouble tonight? You do have trouble. But God, get your eyes on the trouble, off the trouble, and on the place. Amen. Oh, thank God there's a place, there's a promise. Let not your heart be troubled. I will come again. There's a return. Do you know the last message I heard Dr. Harold B. Sattler preach? He preached out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And he preached it out of Preacher's Fellowship in Sumter, South Carolina. The last message I heard him preach. And when he got through, he closed his Bible. And he said, now you preachers, he said, you go from this church and you go tell people that Jesus is coming. Thank God. I've been trying to do that. I do believe he's coming. I don't know when, amen, but I do know he's coming. I would like to think it's close, but I don't know that. It seems to imply from the Scriptures that we are living in the days of the coming of the Lord. But I'll tell you what, I am looking for His coming. Amen. Hey, Titus chapter 2 says this, We're looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hey, both comings are in that verse. The blessed hope is the rapture. The glorious appearing is the revelation. Thank God he's coming in the rapture, but he's coming back seven years later on a horse, amen. I never liked horses, but I'm going to be riding one. My daddy raised horses. I've been bit, kicked, stomped, pawed, thrown. I ain't never liked my My legs is too short to ride horses. But I'm telling you, thank God I'm coming back. He's got one picked out for me. I am coming back riding on a horse, amen. 
Amen. Hey, the rapture. John, do you know John 14 is the rapture? It sure is, amen. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Hey, that talks about the revelation. Revelation 19, that's the revelation. Matthew 24, one taken, one left. I don't believe that one taken is the rapture. I believe that one taken is in judgment. Hey, I'm simply saying, 1 Corinthians, uh, the Bible said, in the twinkling of an eye, there is going to be a separation of church and state. Everybody talking about separate church and state? There's going to be one. We're going to leave them. Thank God we'll be separated. Amen. All the views, uh, sometime a year or two ago I preached on, and I spent a, spent a while on the second coming. I don't know much about it as I order, but I know a little bit. I know enough to know I'm going. Hey, we talked about the pre-trib. That's what we are. I talked about the partial rapture. Amen. Somebody said only those that are right with God is going to leave. You've got to be saved, but you've got to be right with God. How right is right? I know, I'll tell you what qualifies me for the rapture. I'm saved. I ain't trying to earn no merits to get in the rapture. Hey, I got in on the blood of Jesus. When the trumpet sounds, I'll be gone. Amen. Hey, mid-trib, pre-draft, pre-trib. One preacher said he was so pre-trib, he didn't eat post-toasties. And he always eat his dessert first. I read this on a tombstone. I'm sure this is not true. Here lies the body of, of Solomon Pease under the grass and under the trees. The, is, the peas is not here, only the pod. The peas has shelled out and went to be with God. Praise God. Hallelujah. There's going to be a return. There's going to be a reception. I'll receive him. Verse number 3. And, and I go and prepare a place for you, and I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. Hey, the Bible said the Lord himself is going to come. Praise God. I hope this helps you tonight. Amen. Here's what the Bible said in 1 Thessalonians. I wouldn't have you ignorant about this. In other words, there needs to be an education. Amen. Hey, when I got saved, when I got saved, I got saved in a holiness church, in a holiness meeting, and I went back to the church that I was raised up in which was a Baptist church. And uh, I, told, I told him at the Baptist church. Now, I just told him, I, I walked down the aisle on Sunday. I got saved on Thursday night. I walked down the aisle on Sunday morning. And I, I told the preacher, I said, and you're not going to believe this. I told the preacher, I said, preacher, I got saved Thursday night. He did not know what to do. And he said, well, Alfred, that's, that's good. And, uh, and then the deacons come by, and they patted me on the back and told me I was confused. He said, you got saved when you was 12 or 11 or something like that because we remember when you got baptized. I said, yeah, I got baptized, but I didn't get what I got Thursday night. And, and I'm telling you, preacher, it was awful. They patted me on the back, felt sorry for me, told me I was confused, told me I was mixed up. Amen. And so somewhere, somewhere I heard something about a rapture. And, and I went to the preacher and I said, preacher, I said, uh, I heard somebody talking about the rapture. And he said, yeah, I've heard about that, but I don't, I don't know much about that. And he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll get a fellow from the Baptist Bible College to come up here and talk about it. And I said, but that'd be great. I'm interested. I don't know nothing about it. Amen. And he said, well, I'll get a fellow to come teach him. Well, in the meanwhile, I asked the deacon. I said, I said, do you know anything about the rapture? He said, not much. I said, how about the millennium? I heard a big, long word called millennium. And uh, he said, uh, well, I've heard a little bit about that. He said, I said, well, they tell me the devil's going to be chained. He said, he's already chained. 
I said, do what now? Now, I'm a brand-new convert. Got saved in a Pentecostal church. I'm back, back in the Baptist church where I come from. The night I got saved, there was 400 people in the building shouting, running aisles, screaming, hollering. They was excited. I went back to the Baptist church and told them I got saved. They said, can't lose it. They thought they could lose it. They thought they could. They was happy about losing it. This crowd's mad because they couldn't lose it. Somebody help me. I didn't come to make you laugh. I come to tell you the truth. You talk about confusion. And he, and he, said, he said, the devil is already on a chain. I said, Mr. Deacon, I said, are you serious? The devil's on a chain? He said, yeah, he's already changed. Well, we know, we know what he was saying. And so I, I, this, I, God had to give me this. I went back to him after a couple of minutes. I said, you know what? You were right. The devil's on the chain. Since I got saved, he's chained to my leg. <laughs> I never had trouble to the devil with the devil when I was lost. It was only after I got saved. Somebody help me. Hey, I'm trying to tell you, that needs to be an education about the second coming. I couldn't tell you, church, how blessed you are to sit in the church, to hear the Bible preach. Most people outside these doors don't get to hear that. They know nothing about the coming of the Lord. And we know we ought to be excited about it. Hey, trouble, trouble, trouble. But one day, trouble will be over. Amen. Hey, brother, if I get too loud, turn me down. I don't mean to be loud. If I get too loud, turn me down. Or turn me off, amen. Hey, there needs to be an education. Notice this, there needs to be an anticipation. We're looking for it. I'm looking for it. I need to look more, but I am looking for the Lord to come. It seems like everything's shaping up for him to come. And I know we're not looking for signs, amen. We're listening for the shout. All the signs is for the second part, amen. Hey, we're not looking. Nothing has to happen for the Lord to come in the rapture. I don't have a problem that the second coming won't take care of. Right. Amen. 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 Hey, anticipation. Hey, uh, uh, education. We're going to lose gravitation. We'll be caught up. Here's what 1 Thessalonians 4 says. We'll be caught up, seized, seized, snatched out. Amen. I read where a man went down to the airport, and he said, on the east coast, he said, i got to catch a plane to go to the west coast. And they said, all right. What time you need? What time? What time frame you in? He said, "Well, I'd like to leave about nine o'clock in the morning." They said, "Well, we got one right around nine, leaving in the morning." And uh, he said, "Well, what time will it arrive?" They said, "From the east to west, when you get to the west coast, it'll still be about approximately nine o'clock." He said, "Now wait a minute. It's going to leave at nine, and it's going to land at nine? He said, "Yes, ma'am." "Yes, sir." He said, "Do you want the ticket?" He said, "No, ma'am." He said, "I just want to hang around and watch it take off." I'm telling you, one day, one day we're leaving this world in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and all your troubles will be gone. Praise God, praise God. Beloved, we're leaving, I'm telling you. Hey, I am looking for it. It's a consolation. Let not your heart be troubled. Man, they had a lot of trouble. Jesus is going to the cross to leave them. They got trouble. He said, hey, don't get your eyes on your trouble. Try to get your eyes on where you're going. And church tonight, let us help, help us to do that. I'm telling you, some of these people that died, Brother Paul, recently, if they hadn't had heaven to think about and go to Keith and his family and, and the families out of your church, if they hadn't had heaven to look to, man, we'd be most miserable. But thank God one day after all this trouble, 
It's going to be over and we're going to be gone. What a consolation. Here's what he says in 1 Thessalonians 4.18. When he talks about the wrath, he concludes by saying, comfort yourself with this. Thank God, what a comfort. There's going to be a return. There's going to be a reception. There were some reservations about that. Look in verse 5. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? Thomas, now Thomas just jumped right in there. You know, he had problems doubting. Now he's saying, now he's saying Lord, we don't, how are we going to know the way? He's got reservations, amen. Doubts. He's looking for direction. You know what? Doubt sometimes, please listen to me now. We don't want to doubt, but sometimes doubt causes us to ask the right questions. Sometimes your doubt can work out to give you real assurance. I, when I got saved, I, got, I had doubts. You said, you doubted your salvation? Oh, come on now. You did too. Now, there are exceptions. There are exceptions about people get saved and never doubt it. I believe that. But I tell you, by and large, I've been pastoring now about 40 years, by and large, when a person gets saved, somewhere after the time they get saved, some kind of doubt comes in their mind. And, hey, wait a minute. I read where John the Baptist said, is that really him? Somebody said he didn't doubt. I personally think he did. I wouldn't argue that with you. He said, is that really him? I, I, boys, how about go see if that's really him? They come back and said, the lamb see the blind. The, the lamb walked the blind, see, amen. John, he said, and tell John, the poor received the gospel. I think he got his doubt settled. And here's what Jesus said. Here's what Jesus said. He said, right after that, he says, there's not a man born greater than John the Baptist. Here's what he was saying. John, I know you doubted, but I ain't ashamed of you. I've dealt with people. I've, I've de preached, I'm telling you, I've dealt with some of the best people that's come through our church, and they struggle with doubt. But thank God when they got it settled, they got it settled. Their doubts led to real assurance. Amen. Maybe you're here tonight. Maybe you're having doubts about yourself. Thank God you can get it settled. Hey, John, it, Thomas was a great man. When you, he had, when you first meet Thomas, he's devoted. I'll die with the Lord. Then he drifted. Then he died. But thank God he got his doubts settled. Glory to God. Hey, what are you trying to say? Man, I'm telling you what, the preacher gave him a check for, for a preach tonight. Now, that takes a brave path today. But going up and down these steps, I'm about earning it, amen. Amen. Lord, y'all so good to me, amen. Hey, notice what Jesus said. He said, I'm dogmatic. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Not, you know this, y'all know, y'all can preach, I'm not a way, a truth, a, I am the way. Thank God. Hey, there is no other way. You're not going to get that through Muhammad. You're not going to get that through Buddha. We, we, had a, we had a Muslim saved in our, in our prison ministry. I mean gloriously saved, gloriously saved in our prison ministry. And I, I was preaching in the prison after he got saved, and I was preaching on being in Christ. And I said, listen, we're the only ones can say that. You're not in Muhammad, and Muhammad's not in you. You're not in Buddha. Had a Buddha saved too. You're not in Buddha and Buddha in you. But, hey, we're in Christ, and Christ is in us. And I'm telling you, that boy about how to spell. He said, I ain't never heard that. I said, I said, Jason, when you got saved, you got in Christ, and Christ got in you. You never had that when you was a, a Muslim. Praise God. We got some. Hey, he's dead. Buddha's dead. But Jesus is alive forevermore. Woo, Lord Jesus. I'm about to feel like I'm at home now. Amen. 
He is the way. He didn't say, I'll show you the way. I'll tell you the way. I am the way. Get in Christ and you're on your way. Hey, I was preaching over here years ago, back to Bethel camp meeting. And uh, Brother Ronnie Young is the, was the head of the camp meeting that year. And I come in a back way. I normally stay at Brother Ronnie's house, but I come in a back way. And so when I got there, I didn't know the way from there to his house because I didn't come in that way. I've got to tell you the whole story, all right? So I said, Brother Ronnie, I, I've never come in this way. I don't know how to get to your house from the camp this way. I know how to get from your house here, but I, I don't know how to get to your house from here coming in the back way. He said, well, Alfred, Brother Alfred, go out to the campyard, turn left. Go down the road about a mile, turn left. Then you'll go down the road about a mile or two, turn right. And then you'll go across the railroad track. Then when you cross the railroad track, I think it's right or left. I said, oh, man, wait a minute. Man, I can't remember all them directions. He said, Brother Alfred, i tell you what I'll do. He said, I'll put my boy Preston in the car with you. And he said, Preston knows the way to the house. And Preston got in the car. Oh, help me, Jesus. And Preston said, Preacher, take a left, take a right, take a left, take a right. You know where we ended up? We ended up at the preacher's house. How, how did you do that? I had his son. <laughs> I had his son in the car with me. I tell you, about 45 years ago, I got Jesus in me. He knows the way. He is the way. Amen. Thank God. Thank God. Man, y'all kill a fellow up here preaching. Praise God. Hey, listen to this. He is the way. He is the truth. I mean, dogmatic. It's dogmatic. But preacher, I don't like that dogmatic. You like it and everything else but, but, but salvation. Preacher, I'm telling you, you know more about this than I do. There's a lot of debate today, even among preachers. Is he the only way? I'm here tonight, the dogmatic tell you, there is no other way to heaven. You know, I was studying the other day, and you know what I found out? Everybody don't have enough light to be saved. There's people in this world who never heard about Jesus. Well, if you, don't get, if you don't get through Jesus, how are you going to get to heaven? Yeah. They don't have enough light to get saved. But everybody's got enough light to be damned. Yeah. Romans said this. Romans says there's a creation that tells you there's a God. Yes, Romans, says, Romans says in chapter 1, there's a conscience to tell you there's God. Yeah. Now listen to me. Creation won't save you. Conscience won't save you. But I'll tell you what creation and conscience will do. It'll make you go further if you're really interested. Yeah. There is a fact of God in creation. There is a fact of God in conscience. But that won't get you to heaven. But if you pursue that, oh, Lord, y'all help me, amen. If you pursue that, God will reveal the real thing to you. Now, listen to me, listen to me. If you reject the fact, you wouldn't have enough faith to have the faith. Nobody will ever stand before God and say, I didn't have a chance. Somebody said, well, I believe those on foreign fields, if they're sincere to their religion, they'll make it to heaven. No, sir, they've got to go through Jesus. That's why we say, if that's the case, let's, let's say, save a bunch of money every month and take all of our missionaries and bring them home. If they go to heaven because of sincerity, they're what they believe, let's just bring all of our missionaries home. That would save us a lot of money. By the way, if that's the case, let's don't go and expose them to them. Thank God for creation. Thank God for conscience. 
But I'll tell you what, you have to pursue that, that God, I believe this with all my heart. I'm not smart enough to preach all this. I, I, this is what I believe. I believe this. If there's a man who wants to know who Jesus is, and he's pursued through his conscience, and he's pursued creation, God will pick a man out of Woodland Baptist Church and send him to the other side of the world and give him the gospel. That's what he did to Philip in the eunuch. He's out there reading the Bible, don't know what he's reading. And God sends Philip. Stand up, Philip. God sends Philip. Amen. Hey, God sent Philip to give him the gospel. Yes, Glory to God. Hallelujah. I am feeling mighty fine. I feel like James Brown. I feel good. Oh, Lord, help me. I'm, I'm quitting preach. I promise. He's the way. He's the truth. That's dogmatic. They're dogmatic about that at the bank. Two plus two is four. Also, in my case, two minus two is zero. He's the way. He's the truth. Amen. Praise the Lord. He's the life. Jesus is the life. He's eternal life. Can I tell you this? He's abundant life. Hey, can I give you this good news? Not, I'm preaching. Give me three minutes and I'll close. Hey, can I give you this? My brother, I've been praying for my brother for 40 Forty-five years. My brother's 78 years old. My brother is a mean, he's a mean fighting rascal when he's young days. I mean, he, that's what he went out to do, getting fights, and he did. And I prayed for my brother after I got saved 45 years. Just December, I led him to Christ. My brother got saved. I said, Bubba, I'm going to tell you now, don't just, just don't pray no prayer. You wicked, you ungodly. He said, dear Lord, Alfred. I said, I live with you. I know you. He used to, he used to, we, we had all, I ain't got time to tell all that. I want to tell it, but I ain't got time. We, when we were raised up, we didn't, have, uh, we didn't have central air and central heat. We all got around a pot stove. I'm telling you how old I was. And we, he would stay up longer than I would. So when I got into bed and got that section warm, he'd come in there and roll me out the way and get my warm spot. He's a wicked devil, amen. He's six foot one, about 200-something pounds. I'm five foot six. He used to beat me up. I said, you're wicked. You got to get saved. But you can't get saved till you get wicked. And so I started rattling off. I said, say you're wicked. Say you're wicked. You're a sinner. He said, all right, Alfred, I'm a sinner. I said, now you can get saved. My brother got saved. Praise God. I'm through. I'm almost through. Here's what my brother told me before we got saved. He said, Alfred, you're running yourself up and down the road. You got a heart attack. You're just spending your life running up and down the road. You're killing yourself. I said, wait a minute, Bubba. I'm not spending my life. I'm investing it. Don't feel sorry for us. We ain't running up and down the road spending our life. We invest in our life. I'm investing my life in the greatest cause in all the world. Amen. Amen and amen. Hey, he's the way to be saved. Amen. He is the truth to be sure. He is the life to be satisfied. Can I tell you this? My, I told you I preached my, I told you I preached my uh, nephew's funeral who took his life. His wife, is a, she, didn't, she don't know God. She said, she said, I'm not even sure there is a God. And so after my nephew, after I preached his funeral, and I preached on salvation and preached about how to go to heaven, she started getting interested, and she went to her mother-in-law and said, uh, she said, uh, Mama, talking about mama-in-law, she said, I'm beginning to believe in this God thing. And the other night they called me, and I went up there, and now she's got four-stage cancer. 
Her husband just died just a few weeks ago. Now she's got four-stage cancer. They got a son 20 and a son uh, 16. And I went up there and I saw Rhonda. And, and we went in and started sitting down and talking to her. It's a long story, but I just shortened it up. And my mother-in-law, her mother-in-law said, Rhonda, would you like for Alfred, the preacher, to tell you how to be saved? She said, Patsy, I want to hear about that. Now, this is a woman says, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in this church stuff. She said, I'd like to know something about that. Man, I tell you, this helped me, preacher. And I said, Rhonda, you really want to hear, you really want to hear how to be saved? She said, preacher, tell me. And I got to explain the gospel to her. And I got down to the end, and I said, Rhonda, would you want to be saved? She said, I sure do. Dear God, I about fainted. I said, you really want to be saved? She said, yes. And preacher, I got out of my chair and went over there, and she got the two boys and her mother-in-law, and they gathered around. And I said, Rhonda, if you want to be saved, pray. you got to pray and ask God to save. And preacher, she prayed and asked God to save her. I still can't believe it. But I was riding up here today, and my, her mother-in-law called me, who was my sister-in-law, and she said, Alfred, I, I, I thought you all might want to know this. I said, what? She said, uh, they went, uh, they went to uh, her house yesterday, and they asked her at her house, said, Rhonda, why don't you tell the company what happened to you? And she said, Alfred and Lenora come by here, and she said, I got saved, and I'm happy about it. I said, dear God, you couldn't have called me and told me nothing better. You know why I'm so excited tonight? I just got that news about two hours ago. Y'all better be glad it wasn't four. It's still dawning on me. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Thank God this is the life. I used to think life was a pool room and a junk joint. But thank God I'd rather go to church than any of those places. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right. I got a bunch more, but I'm quitting. All your trouble? God's got a remedy. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. Then notice, you're going in that chapter. He gives a place, to pray. he gives you a prayer, verse 13. He says you can pray. He gives you a partner. He said the Holy Spirit will take up residence. Thank God we got a partner. And then he concludes that, he concludes that in the latter part of the chapter, and he says what? He said you can have peace. He comes back at the end of the chapter and he said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world, let not your heart be troubled. He opens it, he opens the body, he opens it with let not your heart be troubled. He calls it with let not your heart be troubled. He got peace, amen. I got a pardon, I got a pardon. I don't know if I preach, I know brother, I know brother sisters heard me probably tell this three or four, five times. I don't know if I told this here, I probably have, but I, 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 when I got saved, I got the spirit of God. They told me I need to go get the Holy Ghost. I didn't know I had it. And so I'm praying, God, give me the Holy Ghost. And so I come to find out, I, when I got saved, I got him. But they said I had to get him later. But I thought when I got saved, if you have not the Spirit of God, you know what I mean? I found out, thank God I've already got the Holy Ghost. That, they were telling me to get the second blessing. That was a second blessing when I found out I already had him. And so I found out the Holy Spirit takes up resident and wants to be president. And one day I was riding down the road, and he was resident, and he said he wanted to be president. And I was riding down the road going back to church. I had preached in a church upstate on a Sunday morning, and I was headed back to my church on Sunday night. And I was riding down the road, and the Holy Ghost said, I want you to stop at a church. I said, Lord, I, I, I done told the pastor I had to get back to my house and preach that night. And I said, Lord, I, I'm trying to get home. I, I don't have time to stop. He said, I want you to stop at a church. And so I'm riding down the road. My wife is over there resting, amen. And I'm riding down the road. And sure enough, she's resting. I looked up down the road, and there's a church with a bunch of cars around. He said, there's the church. I want you to stop right there. 
I said, Lord, I'm trying to get back to the house. I, I got that. He said, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, it wasn't audible, but, but it's very loud. He said, stop at that church. So I'm riding down the road. The church is there. I drove on by it. Holy Spirit said, turn around and go back to that church. Not, not, not audible, but real. So I pulled a car. I remember I pulled into a cemetery back there. started back down the road, and my wife raised up, and she said, what are you doing? I said, honey, I don't know. The Lord told me to go back up the road here. And so we got, and she saw the church. She saw the cars around it. And you know how those ladies are. She pulled that little thing down, got a mirror in it. And you know how they start patting the face. And I said, honey, I don't mean no harm in this now. But it's the truth. Where we're going, you don't need white powder. You need black powder. He came in, brother. Help me over there, brother. So we pulled up in the churchyard, walked up to the door. The lady met us at the door, and I said, I probably told this. I'm sure I've told this. And I walked up to the door, and the, and, and the lady met us at the very nice. Walked up to her. She said, how y'all doing? I said, ma'am, I'm brother Pastor Willis and this sister Willis, and we stopped by to worship with y'all. She said, wonderful, come on in. Now, it wasn't nothing like this here. It had two uh, a rile down the middle, two pews uh, on each side, and so they sing it. They sing it. Well, you know the Lord. Been good to me, you know the Lord. Been good to me. I said, oh, God, I'm in the right place now. <laughs> yeah, God, if I believed in reincarnation, I'd come back a black preacher. <laughs> Seems like they enjoy it a whole lot more than we do. By the way, ain't no white churches open on 3 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. They're home taking a nap. But our black brethren, they're still getting it, amen. Yeah. And this honest before God, this is the truth. The deacon got up and said, well, this is strange. The guest preacher's not here. I said, oh, Lord. They get back up. I don't know what they're saying. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. I said, dear God, I love this man. The black preacher got back up. He said, this is strange, strange, strange. The guest preacher's not here. Preacher, I'm telling you, is this real? The guest preacher's not here. And so about this time, a lady comes up the aisle where I'm sitting, and she gets over there by me, and she said, Reverend, she said, the guest preacher's not here, but would you like to make a few comments and read a few scriptures till he gets here? I said, oh, yes, ma'am, I'd like to do that. <laughs> Dear God, I hit that pulpit. I'm telling you, I pulled it down in low gear, and I read back, and I started preaching, and our black brother jumped up and said, bring it on, Ram! Bring it on! I ain't never got that in the white church. Bring it on, Ram! That's where my heart trouble started, amen. I went and sat back. This is a true story. I'm telling you it's a true story. I'm telling you this is a true story. Hey, the, 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 the preacher got back up. The preacher got back up. The deacon got back up. He said, I am telling you, I cannot believe this today. He said, the guest preacher is still not here. And a little old lady sitting right over there on the corner, she jumped up and she said, Deke, could I give a word of testimony? And he said, help yourself. She said, I've always found down through life, she said, I'm 85 years old, and I've always found down through life that God has always got a ram in the bush. I said, I'm the ram, I'm the ram, amen. That deacon got up, and here's what he said. He said, this has been one strange day. The black pastor didn't show up, but God sent the white red by to take his place. God is a good God. And preacher, you're going to stay and drink Pepsi and eat cookies with us. And if you ever come this way again, you better stop in and worship us. I said, whatever you say, sir. <laughs> hey, God knew three hours up the road that a church was going to be open where the pastor didn't show up. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost now. And stop me to go there. 
we have a Holy Spirit within us that guides us. If I, we were sensitive to that, he don't tell them what we do. I probably got it one time and missed it a thousand. I'm telling you, I, that one was enough for me. Oh, Lord, you don't, you don't hear me. Hey, man. What are you trying to say? You got in trouble? God's got a remedy. He's got a place. He's got a promise. We got prayer. We got peace. And thank God we have a partner. Let's stand. Let's pray. Father, honor your word, I pray.